0: In Studio Ghibli's Princess Mononoke, the young prince Ashitaka becomes embroiled in a conflict between the gods and spirits of a forest and the people who consume its resources. And the most striking point the film tries to make is about the destructive nature of humanity, and it all starts with the setting of feudal Japan. There's a brutality of the world revealed to us in the film. The massacring of villages, a land consumed by demons and apparitions, constant threats of war or sickness or starvation, and they all point to an entire world that is cursed. And the genesis of this curse stems from what I'd like to call the incongruity between human civilization and the animals and nature around them, that inability for them to live harmoniously. Mononoke depicts humans going through a period of vast industrialization and expansion, as a result destroying nature and the forest in its path of continuous growth. This movement is spearheaded by the character Lady Eboshi, the ruler of Irontown, who wages war on the gods and demons who are protectors and members of the forest in an attempt to expand her settlement. Eboshi is as ruthless and unafraid as a ruler in her position can be, and she represents this human desire, perhaps human need, for progress. I think there's something interesting and complex about this central need. As humans, we have this internal machination that moves us towards improving ourselves and our society as our technology rapidly expands and develops, but I think this central need is augmented and seen as more dire due to our perception that nature, on the other hand, is perpetually in stasis. There seems to be a mindset, a belief system that tells us while humans and our technology rapidly expands, exponentially bursting at the seams, Nature just quietly hums along, not doing too much of anything, so mind-numbingly off-pace to our own faster industrialization sensibilities. This is simply untrue. Nature evolves just like we evolve, shaping and shifting to its own changing inner clock, having to adapt for the sake of primal survival. So where does that incongruity lie then? Well, it lies in nature having no bias, no ulterior motive or passion outside of its preordained bounds, while we, unfortunately, do. In the film, Lady Eboshi, unafraid of the gods of the forest, came with her warriors and her rifles and burned the forest down, ridding it of the boar god who once ruled it, Nago. Her people gathered the iron and built the fortress of Irontown, a factory of fog and smoke, and in the aftermath of this, the monsters and spirits of the forest were weakened, pushed to the outskirts, clinging onto what little remained of their civilization. But rather than bow down, they continue to survive off sheer willpower, attempting to plant trees, trying to turn the mountain of Irontown back into the forest again, back into their home. Irontown for Lady Aboshi is a machine of weapon expansion and war. All she knows, all she understands is industry. The lens through which she views the world is one clouded by personal achievement and greed. As we've industrialized and grown as a civilization, our time must seem to become unsynced from nature's time. And I think, as a result of that, in our haste we often demonstrate an inability to use foresight. In the film, Lady Eboshi kills the forest spirit in order to give it to the Emperor for protection from a rival lord. The Emperor believes the head of the spirit will grant him immortality. Lady Eboshi is unafraid of the gods, battling the forest spirits without considering the repercussions of her actions without truly understanding how integral nature is to her town's own survival long-term. A concept that mirrors our own selfishness in dealing with our fears concerning the health of our world, what with climate change and deforestation and the burning of fossil fuels. But there's a complexity to our fight as well, conflicting levels of importance, and the film delves into this. Lady Boshi isn't just ruthless, she is in part compassionate. She's an innovator and a protector. In Irontown, she has given the outcast of society a refuge. Lepers are employed to help with the manufacturing of firearms. Girls who once worked in the brothels now work the iron bellows. They are fed in a place where men don't bother them. Everyone in Irontown is given a purpose, albeit a purpose that serves the needs of Lady Boshy and her machine of industry, and thus all aid in the physical battle against nature. And that's the central theme in Mononoke, this idea that since nature has manifested itself into something fightable, something resembling humans, animals and gods that talk and breathe life into a force of nature that doesn't usually have a voice, that force is now defeatable. And that physical battle against nature embodies our own actual battle, one of those major perceptions concerning the battle being the futility of the fight. The Boar Clan is led by the blind god Okota, who plans to attack Irontown in an attempt to save the forest but what we know immediately before they even charge into battle is that they'll surely lose. Okoto is told this before they go into battle, but in spite of this, he charges to fight the same, his followers literally following him blind into the fray. There's something that speaks to this fighting despite the futility of it, despite the inevitable. In the beginning of the film, Ashitaka, the main character I mentioned earlier, is cursed by a demon. His right arm is corrupted with a disease that will spread through his body and kill him. But despite this preordained destiny that's been set upon him, this inevitable death he must prepare for, he fights the same. For a greater purpose outside of his own impending doom. Not for his own sake or safety, but for hope, for the safety of others, for a belief in a harmonious relationship, attempting to give answers to the question, why can't the humans and the forest live together? our fight seems futile as well. We are in a continuous, cyclical battle, balancing our need for technological achievement and advancement and our spiritual roots in the forest. We have no idea where the buck stops in terms of when industrialization and expansion becomes too much. And worse yet, many of us have no say in it anyways. It's in the hands of the heads of government and technological industry, and unlike in Mononoke, Nature doesn't, at least not as in the form of manifested gods and spirits, fight back. And it's possible that our own short-sighted tendencies may become our undoing. A species so evolved from its natural predecessors that it took the reins of its own evolution and progress into its own hands. But it's one thing if we damn ourselves as a result of our own greed, it's another thing to condemn the rest of nature to our very same fate. What Princess Mononoke has taught me is that underneath one's desolate, destroyed surroundings is a world desperately trying to repair itself, revive that which has died. And every creature, from the smallest tree spirit to the ravenous beasts of the field, all have this innate nature, this innate will to survive. Mind Theater is a solo effort produced and written by me, Bade. To subscribe, look for Mind Theater on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. For updates on the show and upcoming episodes, follow Mind Theater Pod on Twitter. Thanks for listening. I'll catch you next time.